Welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined as always by my oldest brother, Michael Kuhn. Picks one and four. Oh, and 16, baby. Let's go. I'm still a little bit cheery um, just because I knew we joined an elite fraternity with the Lions um, this past week. It's pretty exciting. And my middle brother, Matthew Kuhn. Sweet relief. <laughs> oh, man. It's over. Oh, I can breathe a sigh of relief knowing that we lost to the Steelers just like I thought we should. How great is next Sunday going to be when we don't have to do this? Yeah, we can great. watch, like, good teams play football against each other yeah, and not have to watch the Browns, like, uh, screw up any possible opportunity they're given. I, just, I will miss watching the Texans lose. Yeah, that was fun. It's just good to know that there's that one constant in my life, and that constant's being removed now. The constant that the Browns will lose on Sunday – was just a, the bedrock that I built my life around. It was the one stable thing. But now now we have the draft to look forward to. That's what we have. The Super Bowl, baby. Yeah, that's true. The Super Bowl of a Cleveland Brown season, the 2018 draft. Picks number one and Hey, the and Super four. Bowl was Sunday. We already said the Super Bowl. Oh, that's true. Well, we got to make a new Super Bowl. This is what's most important next is the draft coming up. All right, so – Obviously, as we move um, past the regular season, we're going to be doing a couple more podcasts. Um, so look for us. Um, we're going to come back in two weeks from now, and we're going to set a framework for what we're going to be doing moving forward during the offseason. We're going to be talking about the drafts. We're going to be doing a lot of different stuff, but um, we won't be obviously going over a game each and every week because there won't be one. Praise Jesus. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about that game that we just had to bear witness to. Um, obviously a litany of mistakes that led to our, us losing to a completely ransacked Steelers team where none of their offensive players were playing, um, and we still couldn't find a way to make it happen. Um, Matthew, Michael, what do you think were two of the things that stuck out most to you for the reason why we didn't win on Sunday? Um, everybody's going to point to the Corey Coleman drop, but to me, yeah. <laughs> the ridiculous and most egregious, uh, part of this game from the Browns perspective is that our defense was playing against Landry Jones and a bunch of backup running backs for the Steelers with no Antonio Brown and Greg Williams couldn't muster up enough to stop them on any of those first few possessions when they jumped out to the lead. Like it almost seemed like the game was over from the start. We did end up fighting our way back into it. It is inexcusable for our defense to not be able to stop Landry Jones. And to me, a huge part of it was exactly what we've been seeing is these eight, ten-yard cushions we're giving on wide receivers. It just gave them easy receptions. Like, why would you give Landry Jones easy receptions when you know that he's going to give you some gifts if you challenge him? Like, it makes zero sense to me. If it's Ben Roethlisberger and you want to keep him from throwing over top, I get that. But this is Landry Jones we're talking about. There's no reason to be conservative and play it safe against Landry Jones. Challenge those receivers and make him make a play. We got an early interception from Jabril, and we still didn't like pressure them and put any sort of pressure on them at the line of scrimmage, and it didn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Landry Jones owes the Browns uh, a lot for making his career. He makes about one start a year, and it's always week 17 against the Browns, and he wins, and his stat line looks amazing. He's going to have like a 10-, 12-year career as a backup in this league because his stats look decent, and he has a, a few good wins under his belt. But if you look at the, the tape underlying the numbers, um, he's not good. Um, it, I uh, agree with your frustration, and uh, – 
the defense didn't come out ready to play. Like you, not at all. We on the first four possessions they had, they should have had touchdowns on all four. The only one we stopped them was that goal line stand. Um, and arguably they should have had a field goal there if we didn't jump off sides. But like that's inexcusable against a, a team missing as many offensive pieces as as they are. We didn't deserve to win this game because we were playing against backups and we just let them do whatever they wanted on the field. But isn't it so frustrating when you see another team that's not playing with their best players who can still have a coaching scheme and use pieces like Landry Jones and stuff to beat us? Like, the Steelers are just, it seems, I'm just going to go back to my soapbox, which is that coaching is the problem with this team. But it just seems like what Mike Tomlin could do with this Browns team would be completely different than what, what Hugh Jackson's done. Like, and Greg Williams, like, obviously didn't scheme the best for whenever we're playing Landry Jones, but, like, do you think that Mike Tomlin could have um, – what, what, how many wins would we have if Mike Tomlin was our coach? Are you taking the whole Steelers staff? Sure. Why not? Whatever. I, I think six. <laughs> no, it might be. It might be five or six wins. I, I don't disagree with that. So we were, you touched on it about all the uh, starters that were out, I, and I mentioned the, the skill position players. The thing that blew my mind is that our defensive line wasn't getting more pushed than they were. With their two starting interior players mm-hmm. and then their backup center going out, like how in the world did our defensive tackles not just like crush it up the middle? Like we got some like push on the outside. Miles had a fantastic game, but aside from that, like we should have been doing so much more on the line of scrimmage defensively. Yeah, we got also got helped out by uh, a couple of errant snaps there. Really, um, yep, did us favorably with their third string center in. Uh, I just like if you can't win that game, like you you were bound to be zero and sixteen from the very beginning. Like that was that game was a microcosm of our entire season. Specifically, I actually think the announcer said this: Corey Coleman's drop at the end of the game was like quintessential Cleveland Browns. Like actually, the whole game as a whole, the fact that we went down, yeah, you're was, right there. <laughs> yeah, we're right there. I have just built up the hope that I didn't know that I'd already lost. Like I found a last shred of hope left in my soul and then it's mustered up and then i lose that too like wasn't it oh my gosh wasn't it fantastic too how all the our game was going longer than the rest so national tv coverage switched over to the brown steelers and so, so all of my friends to watch all of my break. friends also got to watch the like horrible browns failure at the yeah. end of the game the little bit of hope we had um driving down the field fourth down kaiser amazingly threw a perfect pass to Corey coleman it was a perfect pass. It kind of um, would have been nice if he just would have tucked it and taken the safe one. When he threw it, I was like, you got to be kidding me. It ended up being a perfect pass, so it's hard to fault him. Yeah. But if he would have tucked it, it would have been a first down. Yeah, first down for sure. I mean, that's what I said. But once once he throws a perfect pass, it's no longer his fault. But um, but then, so exactly that. Like, we, we're driving down. There's a little bit of hope. Like, we have a chance to win this game. We might not go 0-16. But it's like how we started the game. Immediately once we started, they got a couple touchdowns. And I was like, oh, well, of course. Well, yeah, we're not going to win. This just isn't going to happen. Um, they go up 21-7. Um, that's pretty hopeless. And then we end up tying it up. We muscle our way back. And then as soon as we tie the game, as soon as we tie it, and I'm like, okay, here we are. We're back in this game. It's 0-0. Juju Smith-Schuster, kickoff return for a touchdown. How how bad has Chris Tabor been? The worst. I, I don't know how it could be any worse. I just, like, what? We haven't been good on special teams. No. Like, and we, we haven't even sniffed 
a return of our own. Uh-uh. So Matthew I think we made Days... it past the 50-yard line once with Matthew Days, and that's about it on the whole season. Yeah. But the punt returns have been awful. Yep. And, I mean, part of that is Jabril. Like, he catches the ball, and he doesn't take off. He, like, stands there for a minute. He does I don't know if he wasn't healthy down the stretch. He doesn't, like, especially in this game, he didn't look quick. Mm-mm. Like, he got the ball in his hands, and there's a linebacker running right beside him. So may- maybe we need to go with a different person back there re- returning those kicks, but I don't know who that is and if we even have them on the roster. But you've got to do better. Like, Josh Cribbs wasn't fast, but damn it, we were good at returning kicks. And, like, we would do three or four a year. Gosh, those were the days. Oh, I love that. Every time Josh Cribbs was back there to get a kickoff return or a punt return, I was like, there's a chance. There's a chance that this this might be our only offense of the game back in those days. It was only Josh. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's inexcusable. And I think one of the things with Jabril is that he just doesn't have the same pop in the NFL that he did in college. Like, he just can't get to the edge. Like, you see it all the time, the people that are quick and shifty, and they can constantly get outside of people whenever they're playing in college, but then now that he's in the NFL, you see him catching the punt, running backwards, trying to get outside. He just never does. He just never gets outside. And that might be, maybe he was banged up, but maybe that's just, he's just got to get that through his head that he's not as fast on this stage as he was whenever he was at Michigan. Yeah, he needs to get north and south and stop stop running side to side because he's not going to outrun anybody. Uh, this game also frustrated the crud out of me. Some of the some of the stuff that's just brownsy, like that Miles Garrett rubbing the passer. Like how, how does that get called? How does that get called? And they're like, even you heard the announcers, which you don't hear very often. The announcers just straight up calling out the officials for making a terrible decision. Like normally right. they hedge it a little bit and they're like, Oh, well that, that's a little close. You don't see that called every day. Like blah, blah, blah. They just straight up said that's a bad call. <laughs> and I don't even know. It was, it's like a call that like Tom Brady gets because he's Tom Brady, but it it's freaking Landry Jones. The Steelers get it because we're the Browns. That's what it is. Yeah. Like, and it, it's just like things like that where the this team cannot catch a break. Like even when they make a legitimate play, it comes back and they lose. And like you saw that at the end with the Corey Coleman situation. Like Deshaun Kaiser, the pocket collapse. Like I thought he was sacked. I did he too. did a good job keeping the play alive, like fighting through it. Got his head back up to find the open receiver. He maybe could have run for the first down, but he made the right decision. He he made the right throw. He made a good throw, and we just drop it. Hindsight's twenty twenty. It was the wrong decision. He should have ran. <laughs> but um, I mean, so your point though, Matthew, about the Miles Garrett sack, which was just atrocious. Um. It's the difference in the game. If that 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 was a third down play that they it was an incompletion due to the pressure that was coming on Landry Jones, they kick a field goal there instead of get the touchdown one or two plays later, and that's the four points that was the difference in the game. Absolutely. I mean, no, absolutely. It's so frustrating. And it's it's that close. Yeah. I mean, it's that close. And then and then there's things like on that uh, Josh Gordon almost touchdown. Where right. where he got stopped at the two. It was clearly a horse collar. And you saw yeah. it get called later in the game where like the exact same play got called on us as a horse collar. 
And like, yep. I have no idea what the ref was looking at. Because not only did he not see that Josh Gordon stepped, clearly stepped out of bounds <laughs> at the two-yard line, he missed exactly. the penalty on the horse collar. Like, what are you looking at? You, you <laughs> completely botched the entire play. Like, nothing <laughs> that you did was correct. Nothing. I guess he could have called it an incomplete catch somehow, yeah. but that, that would have been the only thing that could have been worse. Was he, like, worried he was going to get run over by the players and he, like, dropped his eyes and just, like, ran away? Like, I don't know. What are you doing? He was directly in I, position. He was squatted over there. You saw him looking directly at Josh Gordon. Just his foot was yeah. clearly out of bounds. It's inexcusable. So bad. I will say, since you mentioned the Josh Gordon play, this game was such a roller coaster because – there was all these frustrating plays like the Corey Coleman drop, the Duke Johnson fumble, the things that you expect to see from the Browns. But then there was like that play action bomb to Josh Gordon, which was we've been waiting to see all season. And we finally converted on that play. And the pass over the, across the seam to Rashard Higgins that he busts for a touchdown. Higgins like, had a great game. He had an awesome game. It, we was, haven't it had... was probably only two catches for two touchdowns. But... <laughs> It doesn't matter, though. Like, he just – you know what he did, though, is he earned himself a spot next year. There's no way Dorsey's going to get rid of him after that. Yeah, uh, or, or at least he, he has a little, like, credit going into next year. Um, yeah, but, like, those are explosive plays that we haven't seen all year. And it comes down to, in my opinion, like, Kaiser just being accurate on some of those plays because those plays have been there for mm-hmm. the taking throughout the season – but he hasn't been able to put the ball on the spot. Like yeah. Higgins got hit right on the number, like in stride. right on, in stride, and he could just turn and go for the end zone. But we haven't been able to do that. The receivers are having to be going to the ground just to make a catch yeah. most of the time. Um, and honestly, those two deep balls might have been the only two accurate passes that Deshaun Kaiser threw in the entire day. That and the Corey Coleman drop. Those are three accurate passes. <laughs> I mean, he was, how many did he just throw into the ground, like five yards short? Oh, my short? gosh. There was some that was 10 yards short that I had no idea what was going on. That happened at least two or three times. And I don't know like, if it was the – I know it was super cold, and he was wearing a glove, which he doesn't normally do, but, like – 10 yards short? Like, just – Take the glove off. Like, it into the ground. Like, like, it makes no sense why someone who throws a football hundreds of times a day every single day of his life can't – get it closer than that it's embarrassing yeah um so i don't know it we i mean you even saw on on a number of times um even during the game where uh, i forget when it was but there was a play where uh i think it was on kaiser's interception where josh gordon was wide open just wide open oh yeah and, and, and oh yeah n- not even a chance that kaiser was going to see him because he wasn't going through any sort of progression. There uh, was a handful sort of, of times. He's um, capable so, of going through a progression. To, to pile on Kaiser here for a second. There was <laughs> By a few all means. Time, yeah, it's there was a few times in this fair. game where he was completely oblivious to what the defense was throwing at him. Like there was a couple sacks where he had no clue where the pressure was coming from. And it yeah, seemed fairly time. obvious from looking at the way they were lining up, like what he needed to be paying attention to. And he's just unaware, right. completely unaware of what's going on. And that's on him for the most part. But I wonder how much that's on coaching, too. It's just the guy has not been prepared and is not ready to win games in the NFL. And if I mean, coaching is a huge part of it. But the quarterback play is every bit uh, as much at fault for why we're 0-16. If we get a veteran quarterback and Alex Smith and Sam Bradford in here, mm. we're going to win a handful of football games next year. Yeah. 
Yeah, no doubt. I mean, so uh, we see what um, Higgins has done to prove himself to Dorsey, but really the the narrative of this offseason is going to be what is Dorsey's strategy moving forward? Who does he want to keep? Um, obviously, Deshaun Kaiser is not going to be um, our go-to at quarterback next year. We're going to draft a quarterback or we're going to pick one up in free agency. Or both. Um, or both, hopefully. That would be fantastic. I think it's going to be both. Um but there's been a lot of division um, among the players and comments that the players have had and, like, interview questions um, to Jimmy Haslam about, like, this whole new John Dorsey hiring and what direction he wants to go. And basically him talking about the making statements on the talent in the locker room. Like, that the talent is the problem um, with why, why we're not winning and why we haven't won any games. Um, and Jason McCourty, who's obviously a leader in the locker room, one of our most veteran players and one of our – definitely our best cornerbacks he said the talent in the locker room is not the talent to go win the super bowl this year but this locker room is far more talented than 0 16 and he's like i'm just kind of tired of hearing so many people say even in the organization that we don't have the guys we need or we need more guys um and he's just saying like no we have the guys to win more games and we got to find a way to win more games um but, but it makes sense that the players would, like, have some backlash whenever the GM says, like, oh, these aren't real players. Um, and they're continually blaming the players when there's clearly other problems here. Um, I mean, and Hugh's done that. Hugh, in press conferences, said that there's not enough talent, like, oh. to, to go do that. Oh, all the time. It's never Hugh's fault. So he's got to point the finger somewhere, and he's been pointing in the front office all the time. I'm surprised he hasn't blamed Hillary Clinton yet. That, that'll be like the all-time when he says it's crooked Hillary's fault that he it's just the thing is is like I can't believe how the blame is shifting everywhere else except for the coach because the players aren't allowed to be like hey it's the coach's fault like what did Miles Garrett but, say in that in that interview what, what he was asked yeah I mean he basically was asked about um how his rookie season's gone how where he finds motivation to go out and play and um, about the potential of a coaching change next year. And he basically said, hey, I go out and play defense. It's what I get paid to do. If Hugh Jackson's the coach, then I'm playing for him. Yeah. Less than a ringing endorsement of the coach and hoping that he comes back. Just more of a apathetic, Yeah, I'll, I'll play for, for him if he's here. Yeah, and then after that, um, so, uh, one of the reporters uh, asked Jason McCourty on if coaching was the problem of this team. And basically he said, it's not my job to answer those questions. So like, he didn't directly throw Hugh under the bus, but like the problem is, but that, you can say no. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. You can easily, like, is coaching the problem. You could easily just say no, no, we love our coach, but like yeah. he, he went out of his way to not say anything, which like Hugh is going out of his way to throw the players under the bus. And it's becoming this thing where the players and the coach are like against each other. And like, the coach should never be enemies with, like, we saw it with the Kenny Britt thing. We talked about it a little bit. But, like, Kenny Britt and Hugh Jackson were enemies. Like, yeah. like he's got to find a way to, like, play well with others. Like, it's it's just absurd to me how childish. Um, and, like, this is not going to work, like, going forward in the future. Like, I hope that Jimmy gives Dorsey the right to be able to fire Hugh if he thinks that that's the right decision. Like, um, We'll see. I don't think Jimmy Haslam has any idea what he's doing. Well, no, for sure. Here's the thing. That, I don't know whole... why would why would John Dorsey have taken this job? Like, I feel like he could have had his choice of different jobs to have in the NFL. Because the assets and what he would have control over is better than like 
way beyond what he would have been able to get anywhere else. Yeah, but he's got to be smart enough to know that that only matters. I mean, it only matters so much. It certainly is. But if, if he can't control the coach and if Hugh Jackson is here and, like, undermining everything, then good luck. Like, you're still in a crappy spot. Okay, so they have another bad year. We go, like, 2-14 and 14 next year. And do you really think that Jimmy Haslam's going to look at John Dorsey and say it was his fault? I mean, probably not. I guess he's right. It's going to be at, Hugh eventually, and well, then he's going to get his chance a year down the line. And he had already made his picks on the players that he feels good about. Like, I don't, I don't know that it's a bad call. I mean, Jimmy's a wild card. I guess and, I just and Hugh really is inside with Jimmy. Like, I would not be surprised at what Hugh could convince Jimmy to do. Watch, watch Hugh Jackson be our GM next year. Oh, my gosh. Well, it'd be better than him coaching on the field. I don't care. <laughs> that sounds good. can't be worse. As long as he steps out of the coaching role, I'm fine with that. I would be done if he was our GM. I would absolutely be done. When was, the last, no way that's when was the last time, Matthew, you said you were done being a Cleveland Browns fan? I remember one specific instance. Besides, I, I was really bad. Besides, after, the, besides was, after the 0 and 16 that we just experienced. No, I was really bad at the Trent Richardson trade <laughs> when, when that happened. Yeah. Um, that, that day, I was so mad, and in hindsight, I'm so wrong. Yeah. But I was so pissed Ma- off. Matthew, I was in I was in my like dorm room in college, and Matthew called me right after it happened, and I was pissed too. Like, don't get me wrong, I was like, this is the we most all... bullcrap. But that's because like the year before that, the, he was our only offense. We just like ran the ball with Trent Richardson. That's all we did. I thought he was the only offensive weapon we had. But his best season was his rookie year. It's the craziest thing in the world. Anyway. And then so Matthew called me and he was like, Man, I'm just done being a Browns fan. Mark, I'm I'm over it. I quit. Do you want to be a Colts fan with me? They got Andrew Luck and now Trent Richardson. <laughs> like <laughs> the, the future was bright. <laughs> he was like, they're looking up. Not so much. Uh, and now they're picking third in the draft. Yeah. Yeah, they're right down there at the bottom with us. Um Michael. They, they did us a solid yesterday that was a beautiful thing because you realize if they had lost they would have had the second pick yeah yeah no because the giants won yeah you know what i also realized what's that uh wouldn't if we had beaten the texans in week six when we played them we would have the first and second pick overall the Texans, really? yeah, because the Texans would have lost, would have had oh, one right. less win. They would have been tied with the Giants. The Giants had a harder strength of schedule. If we had won that game, I, I don't remember specifics of that game. Close. If it was close, we got blown out. They right? destroyed us. In the okay, game. it was one of the biggest blowouts. But still, that that single game there. I mean, and actually, even if the Texans had just like lost any game, actually. We would have had you know the, what? the first and I second. I just looked day. at their schedule. That they won. They reeled off six straight losses to finish the year. That's huge. It's I mean, amazing. like for us, to, for incredible. us to ask for any more losses on top of that is kind of greedy. No, like, but like, phenomenal. no, but we're the masters of losses. We just need to keep trading for picks. But because... that very first, the very first game Deshaun Watson started, it was like Thursday night against the Bengals. The Bengals should have beat the Texans. Like Deshaun right. Watson had that close. crazy long run, like fifty yards. And that was the only touchdown of the game, or maybe they scored again late. But it was close, was and like the Bengals just shot themselves in the foot repeatedly during that game. If the Bengals had pulled that out like they should have, we would have the first and second pick. Like, it was that close. I'm not complaining at all. Like, I'm so, so pleased I'm, with the I'm number four. I'm thrilled to but, have the fourth pick. But that would have been incredible. Pick. No, it would have been. And Speaking we would have traded one of them away. Oh, because. no doubt. <laughs> Speaking Why? of the Bengals pulling something off, 
the Bengals in the last second beat the Ravens <laughs> last night. Did you watch that game, Michael? Yeah, I saw it. It was it was beautiful. It really made me happy. It really made Dad excited. Dad, <laughs> <laughs> the Rat Birds. Dad sent us a text shortly after, which we we appreciated. Um, I think he was drinking. Might may have been <laughs> affectionately referred to the Ravens as the Rat Birds, which I'm totally fine with. Um, but yeah, Andy Dalton. I just did not believe that they were going to do it. I was like, of course they're not going to convert this, and the Ravens are going to squeak by. Um, and make it to the playoffs. The Titans are in. The the, the AFC wild card teams are trash. I've never seen two teams make the playoffs who I don't who I believe in less than the Titans and the Bills. Yeah, like no, they they had a negative point differential on the season. It, it really stinks That's because amazing. actually the Ravens and the Chargers both would have been much better playoffs. Much teams. better. They would have. Yeah. They, like. Those games, the Chiefs and who is it, the Jags, are both going to yeah, roll the, through the wild card round. The Chiefs are playing yeah, the there's Titans. There's no doubt in my mind that the Titans and the Bills are losing this and week. And the Jags are playing the Bills. Oh, but okay, so in the same stroke, when the Bills made the playoffs and we went 0 16, we now have the longest playoff deficit and we went 0 16 in the same day. We got hit with both of those. That's a joy. Beautiful. That's a real well, joy. Before we start talking about the uh, offseason and what we think we might want to be doing in the offseason, let's give a shout-out to our friends at Barbasol. Mm. Barbasol, premium, disposable razors, quite possibly the best thing to happen to Barbasol since shaving cream. You're looking good, America. You're shaving with Barbasol. As always, thanks to our sponsor from Barbasol. I haven't used it as much over the break since, you know, I haven't had to go to work. It's kind of a – I'm looking a little scraggly. They give you way too many vacation days. It's it's absurd. It's, it's a good life. It's pretty nice. <laughs> pretty nice. You get like all of your vacation days, and then the office is closed between Christmas and New Year's, so you don't even have to use any of them. So, like that's when most people use most of their vacation days, and you're yep. just you're just cruising. Just cruising. My office yeah. is closed right now too. I'm not using vacation days either. <laughs> that's, that's. I got two weeks off. No vacation days. Yeah. I've, I purposely set my new job to start um, after the new year, so I don't have to use vacation days to watch. <laughs> yeah, we can today. celebrate that on the pod. <laughs> what, what? Matthew's got a real job now. Yeah, there job. we go. We're all fully employed. Imagine that. <laughs> the podcast hey. just bringing us up from our bootstraps. Yeah, the podcast wasn't really paying the bills. So no, <laughs> Bar- Barbasol wasn't giving us nearly enough to live on. Hey, that's okay. They will in time. Yeah. Well, they'll, yeah. they'll grow with us. Yeah. How how big is the uh, shaving market in Tokyo? I just wonder how much is Barbasol reach all the way out there to Tokyo. I'm, I'm not familiar with a whole lot of beards on anyone in in Tokyo, so I'm thinking that shaving is happening. Or Japanese men can't grow beards, but certainly they have some wispies that they have get some, shaved. Off. Like like the Orlando Bloom sort of thing going yeah. on, where you got the mustache and the yeah. The little, it's either good or bad, it's, but it's you got to deal with it. Yeah, you can't just all have right. that be grown. So, so I posed this question to you guys beforehand. Like, we haven't dug in deep. Like, we just are transitioning and praising um, the fact that we don't have to watch any Browns football anymore. But we clearly have some thoughts and ideas of what we would consider off-season priorities. I would like to kind of go around the horn and hear your thoughts before even looking necessarily at, like, who all the free agents are going to be, but what are the areas of need and what would you like to have addressed in free agency elsewhere within the coaching staff? What are your thoughts? My number one off-season priority, I think, 
And this is predicated on an assumption that what Jimmy Haslam has been saying that Hugh Jackson will be back is true. So taking him at his word, which is probably dangerous, but assuming Hugh Jackson's back, I think my number one offseason priority is finding and bringing in an offensive coordinator who's going to bring any sort of like difference or variance in thought to like the approach that we can take on offense so that there are like differing viewpoints, multiple opinions, like some sort of creativity other than just whatever's coming from the mind of Hugh Jackson. See, but I don't know if like the play calling is as bad as the development of like quarterbacks. Like, I feel like I want somebody that I'm going to feel better about being the quarterback whisperer for whoever we bring in. Plus Deshaun Kaiser. I, I just don't trust Hugh Jackson on that front. Like in the game, like when we're watching these games over again and looking at the film, like players are open. Kaiser just can't hit them. Like I don't feel like Hugh is doing a bad job calling the game necessarily, but he's do- is doing a bad job in the sense that his personnel can't execute what he's asking them to execute. So that's bad. But his actual play calling ability I think is pretty decent. I'm not so mad about that. If I'm making a – I agree that we need an offensive coordinator, but I want a special teams coordinator before we get an offensive coordinator. Like, that's going to make – like, that's a third of the freaking game. And we – I think we're – in DVOA, we're like 30th or 31st this season in special teams DVOA. It's an excuse. Terrible. Yeah. When you're a bad team, you got to at least do well there because that's just about paying attention and working hard. Like, it's not much about skill when it comes to special teams. You just got to be prepared and be coached upright. Yep. So, Mark, what would your number one offseason priority be? Okay, well, you you went in with the assumption that we're going to keep Hugh Jackson. And I think you guys all know what my number one priority would be if I didn't have that assumption. Um, So I think that I'm going to go with um, securing the best quarterback in the draft class whoever that is in that the John Dorsey and his staff like puts in their due diligence and they get this pick right because if we don't get this pick right this number one overall quarterback pick if we draft another dud or we turn them into a dud because of what Hugh Jackson's about to do to him then like that sets us back another two three years or whatever it is like we just can't we can't miss on a quarterback again when we have this prime opportunity to put them and surround them with a bunch of other talent. So that would be my number one. But number two is I also really want to get a good left tackle that can sit behind Joe next year and then fill his spot whenever he's, um, whenever Joe has to unfortunately retire. That's going to be an opportunistic thing. I, I do think there'll be a chance for that probably in the draft with all the picks that we have. Um, I'm not sure exactly where that's going to be, but I don't think they're going to spend like one of their first like three picks on oh, no, tackle. I don't, th- I don't think so either. Um, so I'll take I'll take the like free agency signing route rather than the um, draft route for my priorities. There's a handful of things I think I want to see the Browns do, and w- the first one of those is that Duke Johnson's going into his last year of his contract this year, and running backs don't cost that much. I would love to see the Browns sign Duke Johnson to a long-term deal. There's to me, there's no reason like it's got to be reasonable. I don't want to be spending six million dollars a year on Duke Johnson. But if we can get a four million dollar a year deal for Duke, I think I'm down with that. Like I want to make that deal. 
If we could do um, that and teach him not to fumble, we would be just set. That would be <laughs> the amazing. The thing with him is so frustrating is he fumbles like after like a really huge play. Like he never fumbles on like a hard carry up the middle. Yep. It's always like a like a passing play where he's down the field 20 or 30 it's yards. It's only whenever he gets blindsided. He doesn't expect the the contact. He like once he gets into the open space, he like loosens up a little bit. And he I yep. think that's part of the reason why he's so elusive is that like he just like so shifty but he's got to yep. be able to keep that high and tight what do you think the market is for duke johnson like do you think that four years or four mil a year is reasonable like i i don't know that i am familiar enough with the running back market to to know what those, um, those numbers are i know maybe i bell's back, asking for like 14 or something but yeah but he's absurd. like it there's like the absurdity of that and like LaShawn McCoy is in double digits right now but almost everybody makes like if you look at like what Rex Burkhead and Mike Gillisley and those guys make it's like a couple million a year like yeah but those were like Rex Burkhead was not exactly somebody everybody was pining after this offseason will Duke be though yes I think Duke's I think Duke's but look uh, at what like Danny Woodhead makes like, how would Danny Woodhead and Duke much different? Yeah, but he was coming off injuries and stuff. So but he never know. made anything more than what he's making right now, is my point. Yeah. So that kind of running back, people think they can get that skill set, or at least a similar skill set, for not too much. Like, I don't think Duke Johnson's going to be that expensive, is my point. Yeah, I mean, so if we, I'd give of, him, like, $5 million a year for for hey, four we, or five years. If we can get another legitimate running back with him in that backfield, like I would be pleased as punch. That's going to happen. Like, that's I don't think that's going to be a free agency situation. I think that's going to be a, a draft. Yeah. A draft. Dorsey situation. really if you look back at his draft history, he really likes getting running backs in the late rounds. You draft like Mark Walton from the U. He's like Duke Johnson 2.0 probably. Well, we need someone different than Duke Johnson if we keep Duke Johnson. We're going to have opportunities in the draft at running back. There's no doubt in my mind we're going to get somebody. Hey, whether if we it's... had five Duke Johnsons on this team, we would have won some damn football games. <laughs> <laughs> you're, not, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. So, so here's on the, offense, no, another okay. under right here. I want to continue with my like couple things I want us to target. Another thing that I've thought, I don't know how much I've actually mentioned it on the pod, is I really want them to drop freaking Randall Telfer and get a blocking tight end. Yes. Like we struggled but so significantly because is. we could not get any blocking from our tight ends. He had to get blown <laughs> up two or three times in this last game and completely blew up an entire play every single time. And that's all that he's good for. Like he doesn't even catch passes and they bring him in there to block and he can't even block. He's completely useless. So I don't know who that guy is. There's a handful of them out there. Get a veteran that knows how to block and then we can keep the valve and um, Njoku to catch passes. Yeah. And we're going to be in good shape there on that position group. You think we can the bring final... Gary back to the land? <laughs> Gary didn't play this year, did Gary. he? No, he didn't play. No. I don't, it's surprising like, to me. He had like banner years, and then we cut him, and just no one. That shows you how bad the Browns are. He was like a star on our offense, and then like he's on the free agent market, and you can't even catch on with a roster. Yeah. So here's what, here's what kills me. Um, and this kind of harkens back to the game, which I don't want to rehash, but – like, you saw Steven Ridley run all over us. He mm-hmm. was signed two weeks ago. He was a free agent. He is yep. better than Isaiah Crowell. Like, is anybody making the argument that that's not true? They're at least the same player. But it, it yeah. just kills me that, like, we're trotting out here with Isaiah Crowell every week as our bell cow running back. And there's 
15 people who are walking around as free agents who are just as good, if not better. Like, it's embarrassing. Yeah, I, I would not be surprised if the Browns get, like, a like a retread running back. Like, somebody like a Jeremy Hill or somebody like that that's going to be on the market and cost next to nothing to be somebody that we can hand the ball to if, like, we get a rookie in that's not able to take every 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 handoff right. to start the season. So the final position, though, that I like think that we do need to address in free agency is the defensive secondary. I'm pretty sure we're going to get somebody in the draft real high, hopefully Minka Fitzpatrick, but they need either a safety or a corner that can play and make a difference from day one. Like, if we could get an A.J. Boye-type player, like everybody saw what he did to the Jags' defense this year, like – if we could go get somebody like that, it's going to be a difference maker on the outside. That'll be huge. Yeah, absolutely huge. I agree. So I, would, I don't, I don't know that any of the secondary players outside of Jabril that we have right now are necessarily can't lose or can't yeah. be replaced players. Correct. Jamar Taylor is serviceable. Like you can move him into the slot, which is kind of nice. But like, but I'd rather a, have him as my third or fourth. Player. Yeah, he's he's, he's a replacement fine. level player. And we've got him locked up for a few more years on a pretty cheap deal, so he's fine. And McCordy mm. is is fine, but like if you get somebody better, I'm not gonna like lose sleep over losing. Yeah. Jason and the thing with with the thing with defensive backs too is when you get them as a rookie, they need some seasoning. Like you're not gonna be able to even if you take a guy at the very top of the draft, it's gonna be rare that he comes in and is an immediate difference maker. So we're going to need some talent there. If I can think of any position that we need to drop a lot of money on, it's there and quarterback if we go that route to get a high-quality quarterback right. in free agency. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. So, What's your short list there? for? Because um, there's obviously all these quarterbacks in the market. Um, if you guys both had a one and two of your most favorable solution to our quarterback problem in free agency. Hmm. That's a good question. I'm more and more convinced that I want like a, a veteran that's been there. And I mentioned it last week. I love the idea of Sam Bradford. I think there's a yep. lot of teams that are going to be really hesitant um, to sign him just because of his injury history, which, I mean, isn't going to make me feel great. But if the Browns sign a Sam Bradford and take a quarterback at number one, I just feel like we're going to be in the best position of anybody to get the most out of that situation. Because worst-case scenario – Sam Bradford gets hurt, and we have to throw in our rookie, or we throw Deshaun Kaiser in there if the rookie's not ready. Ugh. Like, we can afford, he's we have the cap he's room. He's ready. We... He's better than Deshaun Kaiser. <laughs> throw him in there. Um, I just think that we are set up better than most situations for that sort of a, a player to come in and step in. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, and it's all three of those uh, Vikings quarterbacks are all – their contracts are up at the end of this year, right? I don't want Case Keenum. I'll take I'll I don't take think, either. Would you rather have Bridgewater over yeah, Case Keenum? Absolutely. Really? I would too. If oh. I was ranking the three. I, I wanted I, I wanted Bridgewater instead of Johnny Manziel, so maybe this will how we'll it'll come loop around. back around. Yeah. Uh so the the free agent quarterbacks, I'm thinking we've got Bradford, we've got Alex Smith, we've got Tyrod Taylor, we've got Kirk Cousins. I think uh, Tyrod's my number two, by the way, to give you my quick two, Mark. Yeah. I would okay. say Bradford and Tyrod. And the thing is, if so if you go with a guy like Kirk Cousins, you're not drafting a quarterback number one overall. Like you're not going to commit be. that much money to Kirk Cousins. Like the contract he's going to demand will be the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. You're not 
using that pick to draft yeah. a quarterback as well. My preference would be bring in an Alex Smith or Tyrod Taylor and draft a quarterback over signing Kirk Cousins. But I'm not going to lose sleep if we sign Kirk Cousins and have him locked up. And we've seen what he could do in the league. I mean, then draft Saquon Barkley and make a Fitzpatrick. Yeah, sure. <laughs> like, like, like we'd be pretty amazing. Yeah. At that point, here's my um, thing with Alex Smith. I think Dorsey's might be inclined to do that. He turned a team around by signing Alex Smith in a off season uh-huh. and turned him into a playoff team. So I could see him leaning that direction. The fact that Alex Smith is so hesitant to throw deep makes me think that there's no way he's going to ever come to Cleveland. Like Hugh Jackson loves to throw the deep ball, and I just don't see that fit working out True. at all. Assuming Hugh Jackson's here. Yeah, that makes sense. That's fair. I, I do that. That's that fit argument is absolutely true. But I was thinking before that that I was going to go with Alex Smith just because of the type of quarterback that he is and how we need someone who can make smart decisions consistently. We haven't seen that in forever. And that game manager, like, I feel like we have enough athleticism and talent with Duke and all of our wide receivers that if Alex Smith is super accurate and if he could hit people on short routes in stride, like, I'm just picturing Alex could, Smith throwing slants to Josh Gordon. Yeah, no, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, we could long. do a lot of damage with Alex Smith. Bradford and, can do that just as well, though. And I would love to have someone who has been in the league for so long and seen it all to be able to mentor a young, new quarterback. Um, like, Alex Smith has been in the league, called a bust, like called a huge failure, then came back and like had a very, very successful career. Like I just, he's seen it all. Um, and he's limited in what he can do, but he made do and made a great career out of it. Um, Alex Smith would be my number one. And uh, I think Kirk Cousins would be my number two, just cause that would be awesome. I would love for us to get Kirk Cousins, pay all that money for him. And like, we have Kirk Cousins, that's great. And then we have all those picks to just like sprinkle on top. You know, like it's like we just get to get make a Fitzpatrick and Saquon Barkley or trade back and get more picks and build up our defense even more. Maybe even get a pass, another pass rusher. Like you never have too many of those. Get Chubb. I just don't like this ceiling on Cousins. Like he's, I agree. he's, he's fine, but I think we have a chance to get like a game-changing quarterback. And any of the in the, draft. in the draft. No, I know, I know. And if you I know, sign cousins, you're not playing. I mean, which I of those would, quarterbacks is better? Is obviously I don't know that any of them are better than Kirk Cousins right now. I think I think Josh Rosen. I is think higher all ceiling. four of all four of the um, quarterbacks that or you talk about, Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson could be better than Kirk Cousins. No, Josh Allen's better than Lamar Jackson. I think Josh Allen's a better prospect than Lamar Jackson. But like, wanna, look, I don't want to touch but Lamar like, Jackson. Look, with here's the, the here's the thing. Like, you get Lamar Jackson, and he, like, keeps developing as a passer, which he's made strides the last, like, Did two years. Did you see his bowl game stats? He threw a bunch of picks. But, so what I'm saying is he's got a higher ceiling than Kirk Cousins, though. Like He had, like, a 30% completion rate. But he's got a higher ceiling. Like, you take that athleticism, like, I don't he's, know he's he the closest thing to Mike Vick we've had. I'd rather just sign Tyrod. So, but, but, all right, take Lamar Jackson out. I don't want Josh Allen either. Uh, but you take the other three quarterbacks. You take Rosen, Darnold, or Mayfield. I think all three of them, like, have a very clear yeah. path to being better than Kirk Cousins. Yeah. And it's going to um, take a couple years. But, I mean, I don't think anybody expects to, to draft a guy and then just be a pro bowler from day one. And Darnold clearly needs more time than the other three 
two. There's no doubt in my mind. Well, he he hasn't he's hasn't two like, years younger than he Baker Mayfield. He hasn't played is. as much. Yeah. So that right. makes sense. Um, um, okay. Interesting. But honestly, that when I'm talking about all this, if we just do any of these things, we're in yeah, a good no, position. Yeah, no, it'd be pretty there's, solid. There's yeah. so many different things we can do. We just have to do one of them, and I'll feel yeah. pretty good about like as long as we don't end, as long as we don't end up with like Alex Smith and then not draft a quarterback at the top yeah. of the draft. Yeah, Matthew. Matthew, you talked about offensive coordinator kind of being your key piece. Like, is there yeah. anybody out there, maybe like on any of these staffs that are being fired? You know, we're seeing some of these coaches being canned. It's John Fox in Chicago. It's Arians um, retiring in Arizona. Um, like, is there anybody out there that's going to be on the market that we sh- you think we should be, like, talking to and looking at? Because that's where these coordinators are going to come from. Yeah, probably. Um, I've always liked Mike McCoy. I mean, I know things didn't work out in Denver this last the second time around. But what, on the market, isn't he? Yeah, like he, he is. What yeah. Mike McCoy did in Denver with Tebow and then with – Peyton Manning and went like amazing. Like the way that he crafted that offense around the pieces that he had to maximize that talent was incredible. And like Denver just laid an egg this year on a number of different levels. And I don't know what happened there, but I think if you brought in a guy like Mike McCoy and I don't know if he and Hugh Jackson have ever worked together or have a good relationship or, or whatnot. Well, you I and think Greg some... never worked together until last offseason. So. Yeah, so, I mean, you could go there. Um, and I like how he has head coaching experience. I mean, things didn't work out in San Diego, but they weren't terrible. Yeah. Um, then we can can Hugh and have a new head coach. Perfect. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> um, so, a guy like Mike McCoy, I, I would be good with. And I don't know. I mean, he's not like a super sexy name because he got fired midseason and whatnot. But... Um, and then I know people are going to talk about the guy out in L.A., their offensive coordinator. He doesn't call the plays, so it would be a jump for him if he was given play-calling duties. Um, I don't know that he's going to want to come to Cleveland. I think I'd stick around as the OC yeah, for in, a while. in L.A. for a while. Learn a little bit more about what's going on there. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you stick out there, you could probably get play-calling duties here in a year or two. and. So I am thinking about Make coaching changes. I am super interested that Hugh Jackson made comments today that he's going to spend the next week or so um, making changes and additions to his staff. And he has done this in previous in over the last two years is like made little changes to incrementally make the coaching staff better in his mind. Um, I'm interested to see if anybody doesn't make the cut. Like I certainly think Chris Tabor needs to go. Um, but I'd be interested to know if like some of the guys he brought on last year, like the quarterbacks coach, the what's his name, David Lee, um, stays on, and some of those other guys. Like I don't hear about some of them, so I don't really know what kind of impact they're making or how close Hugh is with some of them. But I'm interested to see what might happen with the rest of the staff. Yeah, it'll be an interesting right. time. This is. I was kind of hoping I'd wake up this morning to a tweet that. Hugh Jackson wasn't the head coach, but wouldn't that be nice? Now, now we're we can all we're dream. just going to move forward with with this reality, and we'll make the best of it, I guess. We can all dream, but we're actually instead, living he, in a instead, nightmare. Jimmy Haslam was quoted as saying he was thrilled to have Hugh Jackson as his coach heading into 2018. Mm, thrilled. That, that's that seems like forced, right? Like nobody should be thrilled with that. Like you can say we're sticking with him because we still believe in him, but thrilled. 
Like the direct yeah. quote should be, "We're gonna gut it out with you for a while." <laughs> yeah. Like, so we're I do see like. What... Before we got on, you guys mentioned what Joe Thomas said about Hugh Jackson, like the whole idea of when you start dating somebody, you get all excited about something, and when you hit a rough patch, sometimes you just need to remember why you why things were so great in the past and right. what you were, what you base that on, in reference to Hugh Jackson, um, and it was definitely a vote of support for Hugh. Um, I don't necessarily disagree. Like with the right, with the right changes, and if honestly, Hugh needs to just have a different attitude on things and stop blame shifting. Yeah, and like okay, Hugh needs I to grow up a little. Bit. I don't. Disagree. He's like fifty years old, but he needs to grow up. I don't disagree up. with the sentiment, right? That like there's a reason why Hugh was hired, but he does need to grow up. And like all of the blame shifting, like he said, no one could have done. Uh, as good of a job coaching this team. He as said I no did. one. He said no one could have coached this team the last two years, other than me. What, what like, is he what saying? Is, is he saying that, that no one else would have like made it all the way through and not quit? Like, is that what he's saying? That's about the extent of it. Because certainly no one else would have like done any worse than he did. There's right. no way. Like looking at this year alone, like an inanimate object would have done the exact same that he did. <laughs> like we would have lost 16 games. Yeah, we could have just thrown out 53 players and just rolled with it. Yeah, and just thought, well, honestly, it might we, have been We better. may have won, actually. There's a better <laughs> chance now that we see the result. Um, all right, so you know what? That All this talking about Hugh is making me disappointed. You know what else is very disappointing to me is the fact that I really laid an egg in the last week of the Pick'em, and uh, I my lead was chipped away at um i went zero and three in the last pick em, and michael went three and out the coin the coin failed the coin me. failed you in in the final week of the season it had done it me was a so beautiful right. thing i was i wasn't actually sure that i had swept it so i was looking at it earlier today and the line on that jags and tennessee game that we picked which you had picked tennessee i had picked jacksonville but the line was tennessee by six um, and so since Tennessee only won by five, I ended up winning that game, and that was the difference in the whole thing. <laughs> or else we would have tied? Uh, yes, we would have tied in that instance. Was, um, then, you know was, how we would have decided who won? The coin flip. No, it wouldn't coin. have been a tie. <laughs> no, it actually wouldn't have been a tie. You would have won outright. How does that work? Well, because oh, you would gotcha. have had yeah, one yeah. extra win and one less loss. Yeah. Um, so yeah. you lost on that Nguakwe fumble return yep. for a touchdown. Pretty much. That was all, all it came down to. Come on, Titans. All but right. I will say, in our defense, we've picked all these games throughout the year. It was a total of – we had some odd weeks, so it ended up being a total of 50 games apiece that we picked. And we were all 50% or better over the course of the season. That's well, not we, too bad. Give us the final tallies, the final for each of us. So uh, I won 27, lost 23. Matthew was even at 25-25. Mark won 26 and lost 24. Golly. That's that's pretty close. Oh, that's so close. I can't believe I was one game <laughs> two, off. Two games. I mean, even even me, I lost. I was in yeah. third place, but I was just two games off. It was back. a worthy exercise. Yeah, that's pretty neat. That's pretty neat. All right. So it here, came out that here's close. what we should do. Here's what we should do. All it proves is that it's really start. just pretty random. But We need to pick our – we need to make predictions on Super Bowl teams now that we know who the the – playoffs are all right well this can be the final <laughs> because no, double or nothing all right because i think the steelers will meet the vikings in the super bowl okay who do you think is gonna win 
I think that the Steelers will win. Interesting. Okay. I'm going to go... I don't think Antonio Brown's going to be healthy. I I can't imagine that he's going to be back. Like, I think they're saying he's going to be back. Optimistically, I don't think he's going to be back. It's like I'm a gonna go bruise, isn't it? Yeah, but he couldn't walk off the field like when it happened. And so either he's a diva and he's just playing into it. Uh, I'm going to go with the Rams meet the Patriots. I think the Rams are going to win. Whoa. I like Sean McVay. I'm going all I, in on I Sean want McVay. the Rams to win. That'd I want that so to happen. Sick. I want that to happen, but I'm not so sure that I can actually see it happening. I don't. I don't trust Case Keenum in the playoffs. I know the Vikings have a great defense, um, and I think Philly. I don't trust a rook. I don't trust um, what's his face in uh, Jared Goff. For the Rams. Yeah. Well, I, I trust I, him more than Case Keenum. I, I trust what. Sean McVay like on offense. But are you telling me you don't trust Pat Shermer? <laughs> no, I don't trust Pat Shermer. Wow, although he's ridiculous. done an amazing job this season. Um, and the Eagles just got neutered with like Carson Wentz's ACL tear. Like they lost six to nothing oh, yeah. to the yeah. to the Cowboys yesterday. So I just All can't right. imagine that they're going to do anything. So uh, the Saints are the other team coming out of the NFC. I think yeah, I'm going to say Saints. I'm going to say Saints. That's who I Patriots pick. with the Saints winning. All right, that would also be I like awesome. the Saints. You don't believe in Drew the Jags? Breeze, you're not. You're not going on the Bortles oh, no. train. Blake Bortles. Are you kidding me? He's got to be the worst quarterback in the playoffs. There's no doubt about it. All right. Percent chance Blake Bortles wins Super Bowl MVP? Uh, 0.01%. Generous. You know? Generous. I'm, I'm going to go I'm gonna go half a percent. Okay. I think there's a half percent chance. Wow. Because I think if the, if the Jags make the Super Bowl and they win, he's going to have to have a hell of a game. And so... Yep. <laughs> If if they get there and win, it will be because Blake Bortles somehow played really really well. I mean, Joe Flacco is a Super Bowl MVP. I know anything can anything happen. Can happen. <laughs> All right, All right that gents. is going to wrap up the season. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we are going to be coming back at you in about two weeks with another podcast um, for all the updates and hopefully coaching changes that have happened in the last two weeks. Um, so be on the lookout for that. We'll also create a rough framework for what the rest of the offseason is going to look like. Um, we're going to hope to have some guests on and um, talk a lot about the draft um, and the uh, moving and shaking that the Browns are going to be doing. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Um, as always, thanks to our Tokyo listeners. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and um, send us an email, uh, at gmail.com. I want to take a second just to say thanks to all the listeners. This was fun. Um, I feel like we uh, got beat up a little bit with an 0-16 season, but regardless, the process was fun, and it's been fun to interact with everybody and see our listeners continue to grow. So appreciate you all listening and spreading the word. Um, let's enjoy the best part of the Browns season, the off season. Mm-hmm. True. I'm starting to think we might be the problem. You know, like it's a very real thing. Like we, since we started this podcast, I mean, we only won one game last year, yeah, and it was kind of lucky. Yeah, we've lost sixteen. <laughs> that was a really. We, I feel sorry we, for the surviving the season, guys. Oh, I know. One in thirty-one since they've been. Uh, doing Maybe this they're thing. the problem. We legitimately, <laughs> we, we legitimately could be zero and thirty-two. Yeah, like very. Like if you easily. remember that game, we, like we won one of those like goal. blocked field goals, <laughs> missed field goals. Like we should be zero and thirty-two, like in a lot of ways. <laughs> 
There's no way Hugh Jackson would have survived that one thirty two, right? You can make you can make the same argument though that we should be like eight and twenty four. Because there's so many games that we completely botched. That's reasonable. Yeah. True, but I'm sure. saying everything could have stayed the same and one tiny little thing changed and we're 0 and thirty two and the worst team in uh, NFL history yeah, we, by far. Right. We, we make we're that not looking back. all the time. We're not looking back. We're looking forward. We got yeah. a bunch of picks. All those losses were last year. Yeah. We haven't lost any in 2018. True. Yeah. Undefeated. True. All right. We will be undefeated in the draft. Can't wait for that. Draft champions of the world, Cleveland Browns. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Bye. Go Browns.